Hello, everyone, and welcome to Out and About with Antoinette. On this podcast, I have an opportunity, an honor, and a privilege to interview people who are not only in the state of Delaware, but all around the world, that they're doing some positive things in their communities. Now, today, I'm in Dover with my special guest, Ennio Emanuel. He is the development director at MLCC Marantha's life-changing church down in Dover, Delaware. He is also the executive director at Dream4 and a marketing consultant, a board member at A to Z Insurance. And you know what? He is just all around busy. We have been going back and forth and forth and back to get this man on this show. So welcome Ennio to Out and About with Antoinette. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so, so, so thankful for everything that you do. And and I'm thankful to be here too. And you know, I have been following you along and, you know, in full disclosure, you and I first met when you offered me an opportunity to come down to the church um, to do a presentation. Oh, we first met at um in Delaware at the State Service Center. Remember on the third floor of that little conference meeting, I forget what it was for, but that's where I first met. Oh you. my goodness. Yeah, it was a volunteer thing. Yeah, that's where I first saw you. Yep. Anyo, yep. thank you. <laughs> My mind, I was like, because you had mentioned to me before that we had met and I'm going, okay, where did we meet? Where did we meet? And it was, yes, the volunteer event um, that we did at uh, Dover Downs. Or was, no, 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 no. Yeah, I think it might, the event might've happened at Dover Downs, but the planning, we did it at the State Service Center. And you I just know remember what? seeing you, you know and being happened? like, wow. Right. Someone like this, someone, was, someone like this to be there, And then they kicked me off. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't <laughs> so go either. <laughs> I didn't go. I, didn't I go am either. so glad. But then, but then we got together at the yes. church, and I was able to come, and I was totally amazed because you know why? I'm originally from New York, which most people know, but I've been in Delaware most of my life, and I bit my teeth. You know, I, I got my start in Dover. I went nice. to CR, and then I went to Dell State, and I went to New York, wow. and then I came back. So Dover is really kind of like my home. But you have been in Dover how long? I was in Dover. I grew up. I mean, I grew up. My family growing up. We um, we were. I was born in Brooklyn, and then we moved to Ohio. And I came came to Delaware around around five, um, and then moved. We went through every county. So I lived in Bear. Um, then we moved over to Milton. And then we moved over to Dover. So I've been in Dover since I, um, like, since I was like thirteen or fourteen around there, and I'm and a little older now. <laughs> and that's amazing because that's when I got to Dover. It was in 1976. Wow. I, I had just turned fourteen. Wow. When okay. we were transplanting it from Nourishell and Malvernon to Dover, and I don't know if it was a culture shock for you. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I think it, I'm Hispanic, and so you know, we're more culture. I'm diverse now, but even back then, um, for me, it was, I was like the only Hispanic kid in some of my classes sometimes, or, you know, the only Hispanic kid in a, with some of my friends. So it was a culture shock because my family, although I, I learned how to be a part of all cultures, my family was very Hispanic. So it was like, if I brought people over, um, you know, my grandmother only talked Spanish. My parents had an accent. It was a different world back then. And we were, and my, all my family were, my parents were still, um, you know, starting their businesses or starting their life. Um, my mom was working at a federally, um, a federal qualified health center with Westside as a medical director. 
And, uh, and so it was, it was also like a very trying time for our family, like just growing. So, um, so it was, it was a lot of stuff at once happening. And that's around the same time my parents decided to be ministers. So it was like the, you know, change in, in scenery, um, my parents changing their, their surroundings, a lot more demand on the family to do stuff in the community. So it was, it was intense. I know, and you, know. you know what you helped so many people your family helped so many people and that's what I love like I said I I don't care how long it took us to get together I know I wanted to feature you because it's not just you it's not just about you but it's it's, yeah. it's about all the people around you it's that community and when I walked into that church and I and then I saw the people and I saw the 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 bikers the blessing for the bikers yeah. and I saw the 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 events that was happening here, I was like, oh my goodness, I've got to get back down here. And I do apologize. I meant to get back down there for Mother's Day, um, but I'm like still going to my church in Middletown back and forth. I'm still in Smyrna. It's like, okay, what you do already I do? know. I, I can tell you it's hard sometimes with our schedules to, to make it work. But, you know, I think, I think the fact that we can do it at all is important and we just support each other no matter where we're at. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about Code Purple of Kent County. I mean, because you guys have helped so many people, so many people. Yeah, thousands. Um, I think last year with all of our partners together, we served over a million meals. So um, so Code Purple started in 2015. Really, um, you know, I I got involved with Code Purple because I was always I always like doing stuff with nonprofits, Um, you know, before living uh, for about seven years. Um, I've been in Delaware now, you know, after leaving for a little while for school and college and, and my jobs, but I was in Los Angeles for about seven years and I would volunteer a lot with the Dream Center. And they are like a hospital building and every floor does some type of social service for families or women or children. And then, so I, I was always inspired by that and, and also just traveling to other countries. Um, you know, my family, we met, I went on my first humanitarian trip to Ukraine to an orphanage when I was 12. So, um, and I would go every year or two times a year since then. And I still do. And so that, you know, that have, you know, in my heart, I wanted to find something that was local that felt like I was like on a humanitarian trip in Haiti and Honduras. Um, Cause I like the, I like being in the, the dirt. I don't mind getting my hands dirty or being where people don't want to go. Um, and so Code Purple was that for me at the time, you know, it was like, okay, we can build a little temporary shelter because Code Purple started out as a cold weather shelter in the winter time. And what they would do is, and what we still do is we work with churches and or nonprofits that have a, a open space. And then from 5 p.m. to 8 a.m., we would provide shelter services and be able to give people food and shelter from the cold. Um, and then I started working with them around 2018 as a volunteer at the women's site, Women and Children. And it also coincided that it was at Maranatha, where one of the places that I work with a lot on events and things. So it was a double, you know, good, positive vibes on all ends. And then I, well, 2019 rolled around and the board wanted to kind of retire and they wanted to kind of move on to other aspects of their life. And they approached um, me to, to help be a president and to create a board. And I said, uh, you know, I said, at first I said, I don't know if I could do it. I said, no, I first I'm with you. And um, because it was, it was, uh, it was uh, something run by people who, you know, they, a lot of them were retired or they were doing their own thing. And so they had a lot of free time and, and I have like three full-time jobs. And so it was really, I was like, I don't know where, you know, I don't know where I'm going to fit this in because it is a job, you know, and I take, especially when it comes to social service stuff, I take a very, take it very seriously. So, but, you know, I, I just pray, I said, I'm going to pray about it. You know, so I'll come back to this. And out of nowhere, um, not too long after that, they had asked me about that. 
um, someone from the state came to our office randomly um, to, to where we, we usually would partner with Code Purple and do the woman's ministry stuff. And someone showed up to our site and they said, hey, we got an email about what y'all do here with the woman. And we wanted to see if you wanted like a state contract to help out people wow. coming to prison. And they specifically said, we want me to work on it. And I was like, well, and, and that, you know, that program was, had a little bit more foundation. It was going to be sponsored by the state. They had funding. And so I said, well, if I'm going to do that, then I'm going to do co because they can, you know, they're both intertwined in essence of help who they help. And, um, and so then, you know, I said, so we took on the challenge of saying yes to Code Purple. We started Dream 4 around the same time. And since then, we've been able to grow into the cold, you know, the cold weather shelter. But we also have um, three group homes right now that focus on human trafficking victims or domestic violence, mm-hmm. um, families, and also men coming out of prison. Mm-hmm. And then we are, um, you know, we have, a, uh, we used to not have this. Um, before 2019, but we have a, you know, a food pantry and a clothing pantry that's free mm-hmm. to the public open every day of the week or by appointment it's on the weekend. And we also now have a food truck that can go out to events and go to people that are on the streets. We have a commissary kitchen and we just, um, and we have our second site, which is at People's Church now, where we have two new bathrooms, new showers, and two new laundry rooms that just opened up to help out like low-income families in downtown Dover or homeless individuals. So that, you know, growing upon that is really important. And then we also have an outdoor bathroom mm-hmm. that we've been able to, to, to accompany, acquire. And then that will help people have to use a shower or use a bathroom outside when we're not open. So, wow. you know, we're just trying to move into that realm. And, and I think as we grow, we really would like to um, open a, a larger shelter that's open all year long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, rehab is also another thing that I think is very important right now. And I love how you said, you know, when it w- the opportunity was presented to you, you know, to create that board, um, you had to pray on it, you know, because yeah, again, I was I mean, worried. I was really scared. <laughs> I think when you know, um, you know, when you know, purpose is coming at you. And I, and I, you know, I have two parents that, you know, I saw them go from struggling to being successful. And so I know that once you say yes to something, especially in our family, once you say yes, it's yes, there's no no's, there's no turning back, there's no quitting. You know, I mean, you might you might ask for help and you might struggle and, and but you have to do whatever you say you're going to do. And so for me, it was like, good. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to commit. And then, you know, if it was a business thing or if it was something for fun, yeah, you can say yes and then quit, whatever. But this was something that I knew had people's lives. You know, it was people's lives depend on Cold Purple every winter, especially. So um, so it was important to me. And I but I knew that God was in it. I think mm-hmm. that God knew that I wanted um, that if I was going to take on Cold Purple, I needed assistance, but I, I, assistance I didn't even know existed. I, I, I think I know so much now um, more about grant writing and mm-hmm. um, requests for proposals and working with the state, working with politicians. Um, I've learned so much, you know, it's 2019 to now, I feel like it's been 10 years, but it's only been a little while. Yeah, I know. So much since then that has um, prepared me to take Go Purple where, where we want to take it. Um, but I would not have been able to do that if I didn't have like some, you know, closure or I guess a sign from God. And that was the Dream 4 project. And then uh, and then Cold Purple really has just I have volunteers that are awesome, that are just amazing, that make things happen beyond my wildest expectations. I can't uh, I can't stop them. So I just tell people, you know, we go, you know, we feed every day now at 530 p.m. We feed in the morning time when our office mm-hmm. is open. But now we feed in that night every weekday at 530 and that's just something that our volunteers wanted to do. And 
And I told him, I was like, you all, y'all give me more work because now I got to find a way to help make sure we stay funded. And now, and now we can't stop, you know, now it started right. at a point where you can't stop it. So, um, so I think as long as we have the support, um, you know, God's on our side and, uh, and I'm less scared now. I think now I'm less scared to say yes to things. Right. Um, like I was telling you earlier, we have something that we started called the Kent County Alliance, which mm-hmm. is about 16 nonprofits, some of them smaller than, than others that are kind of all focused on helping the homeless or helping stop violence or helping children. They kind of, we all kind of have those same focus groups or helping people with addictions. And, uh, and so we're joining forces to come together to just unite our vision, unite our mission in, in certain aspects of the community. And so that's a new project that, you know, for me, I don't ever, I never, I always love, I love music. I love, um, performing. Um, I love business, but I'm not, I'm not a person that, you know, if someone's like, we need a leader, I'm not the first person to stand up in a room. I'm really not. Um, I'm really an introvert. I like to be home a lot. Oh, please. But, not but, you. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but my life, but my life, but I like to travel though, but my life does require me to kind of jump out and, and pump people up. And, uh, and I think, you know, just, we have some new exciting things happening with this alliance. I think we're going to work to change public policy and to really make Kent County better. Um, because there's a lot of different groups, as you know, there's a lot yeah. of groups out there, but you know, every group has different missions and visions, especially with the vaccine now and, and vaccinations and health and all these different aspects that we just got to make sure that we, we fill in the gaps in the system and don't let anything fall behind. Um, just because, you know, the economy is going crazy or, or mm-hmm. people are getting COVID. Um, none of those things, those things keep going, but homelessness and poverty and domestic abuse and violence and gun violence, all those things right. keep happening and growing. Yeah. And addictions, yeah. and addictions keep growing. So it's, you know, it's, I feel like I'm charged with getting us all together and making sure, at least in King County, in our little bubble, that we we don't let anything go, you know, you know, beside us. We pay attention well, you, and focus. You are doing the darn thing, and I, like I said, I've been watching you. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, you hit on something: your performance and music. I mean, this I know <laughs> you have a love of music, and again, your heart is so big. And after meeting your mother, I can only imagine. You know, I'm like, man, this is like had to be the best family to be in because <laughs> everybody's caring and giving and loving. And I felt like. When I met you guys, you know, again, we met prior to, but when I walked in and I met her and I met you and I met the volunteers, I felt like I was part of a family. And yeah, that is really. an amazing feeling. And, and, and we're lacking that in today's world, you know, yeah. despite all the, the, the pandemic and all that. I mean, we are just, you know, we need to have that love and that connectivity and, and that caring again. And that is why, you know, Code Purple, you, your family, the volunteers, everybody in Kent County in that, you know, is just doing it. And so I want to talk, you know, about you too, because you mm-hmm. are an amazing person. You know, you're, you're on, on call 24 hours, but I know music probably helps you you know, oh, yeah. woo-sai. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, you know, I want to talk about your music and the travel and the things that you like to do as well as what you mentioned, you know, any upcoming activities or projects, you know, as we're coming in, into the fall and anything yeah. that we can do, the listeners of Out and About with Antoinette can do to help you, whether it's, you know, volunteering or donating or just praying, you know. So let's take this quick break. Um, go guys, go grab yourself something to sip or snack. We'll be right back. And don't forget, you can find and follow me on all my social media platforms by using the link tree ID Dell blogger will be right back. 
Hey, what's up, fellas? If you're looking for healthy, thought-provoking conversations on a variety of topics dealing with life issues, be a transparent, open dialogue for men who need a dose of honest, engaging, and heartfelt discussions. Tune in to Inside the Armor, airing Mondays at 8 a.m., hosted by Joe, Russ, and yours truly, Boone. We would love to have you vibe with us as we talk about our trials and our triumphs, our messes and our successes. Join us for Inside the Armor, Mondays at 8 a.m. Iron Sharpening Iron, one podcast at a time. Are you ready to join the billion dollar podcasting industry? If so, Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio is ready for you. Whether you're just starting out and have no equipment or you are a seasoned pro but need help with production, Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio has everything you need. Conveniently located in Middletown, Delaware, Blake's state-of-the-art production facilities make producing your first or 100th podcast a breeze. No matter what kind of project you have in mind, the professionals at Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio can help with your production or give you the tools to produce it on your own. At the heart of Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio is award-winning blogger, vlogger, and CEO Antoinette Blake, and her goal is simple, to help one more entrepreneur be successful. So stop making excuses and start making your podcast, audiobook, e-course, and other online dreams come true. Call Blake's Booth Podcasting Studio now, 302-261-3530. That's 302-261-3530. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. It's Antoinette from Out and About with Antoinette, your host, the CEO of A. Blake Enterprises, social media marketing and consulting, an award-winning blogger, vlogger, podcast host, author, and professional speaker. But here on Out and About with Antoinette, every week I have the honor and the privilege to bring on a guest who's not only from in and around the state of Delaware, but they have to be doing some positive things in their communities. And today, Ennio Emanuel, man, he has such a major heart, but because of family and friends and support and volunteers that surrounds him, they are doing some amazing things, not only in Kent County, but in the state of Delaware. And it's all about leaving a legacy. So Ennio, before the break, you started talking about, you know, that opportunity that just came to you in 2019. I mean, that's just not even two years ago when you think about oh. it and you had to pray on it. And I think that's the biggest thing. If you pray on it, you will get that answer. And so they came to you. You took the bull by the horns and you've been going ever since. But Ennio, you're a musician. You're an entertainer. Uh -huh. I could not believe it. I was watching the, the, the uh, you on Facebook with the Firefly thing. And I thought you were going to be performing, but you did something even greater at Firefly. Yeah. But before we talk about that, tell me, music, has that always been in your blood? Yeah, I think um, I always loved the music. I think growing up, my family, you know, it was very big in the household to either be like a doctor or a lawyer. Um, those were our biggest pushes. And so I always was striving for that. I was always trying maybe to go to law school. I took the LSAT and I studied for medical school. And um, but in, at the end, when I was, um, you know, growing up, I really I realized music was something I really loved. And I did some competitions and tried to record in high school. I interned in Philly with a 
a lawyer, entertainment lawyer when I was 17 and was able to like work with Lauren Hill and the Fugees and Rick Ross and Trina. And that kind of opened up my eyes. And I remember the lawyer said, just don't do, don't be an artist. Don't do it. <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and, and so, you know, that scared me too, but um, I kept recording and I did a, a demo when I, um, when I was around 21 and I sent it out to some different record labels and different management. And I ended up getting um, an offer to move to Los Angeles to record an album with some other um, artists. And we worked on that and that it was supposed to be called Weapons of Mass Production. It was going to be like a little oh group of yes. artists. And, uh, and so we ended up not, that didn't really work out, but I stayed in Los Angeles. Actually, I was on, I went on a missions trip to Honduras. And when I came back, all of our stuff was out on the lawn. Um, so, so that was, uh, it was just, you know, it was a, a crazy experience. Our management was wild, but uh, that had me homeless for about two weeks. And that's when I, I learned, you know, we learned about the Dream Center a lot and I stay, stayed with them. And then with some of my friends, we kept working and kept working. And the Dream Center had a music studio where uh, one of my friends was interning. And it just so happened he would never come to the studio because he just was trying to work at another one called Oasis in Los Angeles. And his car broke down. So he had to come with me that day to the studio because I wasn't going to take him to his. And it so happened that within, um, you know, within a couple of days, he ended up becoming the head intern at that studio, that Dream Center. And later on, um, I, as we would work, I would just help him out. And I found out that there was this lady named Paulina Aguilera coming to record. And she was, you know, I looked her up and she had won a couple of Grammys for songwriting. And then she was working that day, so, um, I found out, with Gerardo Mejia, who also wrote Rico Suave. Mm -hmm. So they were there recording and I was just there helping you know, hands is helping out with getting water or whatever. And me and Paulina really hit it off and with Gerardo and they both helped me, um, you know, get connected with some different music people. And then I um, started pursuing doing a Spanish album. And then with that Spanish album, um, I was able to promote it and, and it went really well and helped me get um, a four year tour around the U.S. doing Spanish music. And so I made my, you know, I did about two albums and more in the Spanish world. Um, and so traveling around for four years, um, doing music, and it was sponsored by Hustolamas Group, which was also promoting the promoting culture, you know, promoting Spanish culture a lot. Mm -hmm. So that was really fun for me. And um, and then what happened was really I just I fell in love with music and the songwriting aspect, but I also got like a little burnout. And I think uh, so part of that I was living in Los Angeles at the time. Part part of that, you know, just being around Los Angeles, um, you know, as a 25 year old, 26 year old. Um, I really was starting to hit me like, do I want to make my life in Los Angeles or do I want to, you know, be on the East Coast where most of my family and friends are? Um, and, it, you know, you have in, in living in California, especially the way they're set up, the pricing and everything is a lot, lot, you know, a lot more expensive. You have to decide if you want your life to be there. You have to decide mm -hmm. for your life to be there. It's not like some of the other places that you can just, you know, throw a couple hundred dollars here and there and move as you want. Um, you know, in California, you're either living good or, or you're not. So you have right. to decide. And invest and so i just really decided i was going to move to the east coast but i started off in west virginia and i stayed in west virginia wow. with some of my friends and yeah we, we worked on well i had some friends who wanted to do music with me but because i was so busy i never could so i was like let's just spend a year in west virginia record some music so i have some songs that are from that time that i still haven't even released yet and then and then i you know moved on over to delaware and just kind of started working on business projects that i had wanted to get to, to do, but I have, you know, hadn't been able to get to them yet because of music. And, uh, and then just recently, like after, you know, a couple of years of doing business and, and establishing myself in other areas, 
I've, and especially now with the nonprofit world, um, it's been, and, and, and with the 2020 happening, um, my mind, especially with addiction and, uh, and people in that world of addiction, I was really dealing with that one-on-one. I knew a lot about homelessness, but right. I didn't know a whole bunch about addiction. I knew, you know, I knew I helped addicts out and I've helped people who are addicted to drugs or alcohol, but it's different when you're with them every day. And especially when you're with um, like 18 year olds or 19 year olds that are addicted to things every day, you're with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you just come for a week or you come or you see them once a month, you know, being with Code Purple and Dream 4 really just allowed me the opportunity because I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to be with people who are struggling and to love them and to see them where they're at. And then also know that they could screw you over at any point in time and, and make your life a living hell, right. but you still have to love them. And so that process of learning how to, you know, learning to be burned, but still love to know that the people, people's, um, how they would hurt you or how they try to come against you has nothing to do with who they are. It's just a demon that they're going through. It's an, it's an illness, you know, addiction is an illness that people just don't know how to conquer. And even if I know how to conquer situations in my life, I can't just think or believe that someone else knows how to do it. And, um, so that process really just drove me crazy and I needed an outlet and, you know, I love traveling and I love hiking, which is something I love doing in California a lot, which you can't do here. There's no mountains. No, <laughs> but um, flat here. I was, yeah, very flat. So I was like, <laughs> I'm going to um, you start doing music again. So I, you know, reach out to my team and I had been song. I still songwrite. I was still songwriting with different artists and working on production and stuff. But I was like, I want to get back into writing music and recording and just awesome. being around the arts and then, you know, try to find ways too that it could develop into something that could help Cool Purple or help what we're doing here locally. Um, and so we are trying to, get, I am trying to get like scholarships for kids to learn guitar, good, good, right. violin or voice. Um, and that's something that we, you know, we're creating right now. And so it's through what, what now my music has a bigger purpose. I think I used to always hear from industry professionals that they would say, you need to grow in your hometown or grow locally before you can grow nationally or, or big and i used to always think that was you know a bunch of baloney i would say that's not you just grow wherever you're at you got to grow but being here now working with the community a lot more working with politicians working with those in need and also those who provide the need you know the ones who sponsor us to be able to help those seeing all those different aspects really and, and then also then seeing things in the newspapers or online and social media and how that gets shared um, I think it is important for people, whether in your music or business or the arts or whatever it might be, to, you, you know, you do need to focus on your local community. And as that grows, then think about growing nationally or growing bigger. Because now my vision, growing here locally a lot more in the community, has helped my vision um, expand. Exactly. But, but, but still staying small. You know, I still I see where things could grow nationally. I see where we could expand or or I could do things personally in a national way. But it makes, when you get connected to your community, you feel like it's a person itself and you want to treat it a certain way. You want to take care of it. You want to coddle it a little bit. Sometimes you got to discipline it. And so it's like, that's why I want to be in the community and, and, and let my music be a part of everything I'm doing right now. And, uh, and then hopefully, you know, it just expands and it's something that other people also can duplicate in their own life. And speaking of growing nationally and music, um, you were recently at Firefly, but not as an entertainer. What, tell us, I mean, that, when I heard that and I read that, I'm like, why is Enio going, oh, he's going to perform. And then I said, oh no, it's a code purple thing. Yeah. That was a major, 
major. So, so people that don't know about Firefly, this is a major, major, major. Like it's almost like uh, what's that other big? Um, well, you got um, Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza, right? So but that's here is down in Dover. So yeah. Dover is local. Remember Dover? When I came, it was nothing but like <laughs> chicken fries and you know scrapple <laughs> contests and weird things like that. I mean, I still don't understand the scrapple thing, but uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But you guys went to Firefly to do something that was helping the homeless and helping oh. the population. Tell us about that. Yeah, Firefly, they, you know, there are a lot of people, they have 50 to 90,000 people there whenever they do the, the festival. And they have uh, a lot of things that people leave over. They leave tents, sleeping bags, coolers, chairs, clothing, shoes, um, you know, uh, lanterns. Well, so you got mugs, uh, tarps, so many tarps, you know, tarps that mm -hmm. uh, you never imagined. And so all these items can really be used for people who are on the streets, you know, people who are living on the streets temporarily. And it was tough because last year Firefly didn't happen. And so, this, so it was, you know, making up for that, not having all the supplies was difficult. Mm -hmm. But this year we were able to get a lot of, a lot of supplies, 10 sleeping bags, um, tarps, a lot of things that people would need, even like pillows and sheets that we can use as a shelter through mm -hmm. washing, chairs, some things like lanterns and, and little mugs and things that even like people who aren't homeless that might be in need could use. And then mm -hmm. Firefly always hooks us up. They usually either give us apparel that's left over. This year they gave us cups, some chairs, some really cool chairs that we're going to mm -hmm. use for a kid center. So it's amazing. What we do is we, we're there all weekend just giving out information, showing people who we are, how they can get connected, how they can do, make a cool purple happen, right. wherever they're from, because there's people who come from all over. And then we on monday we get volunteers together and like usually around 100 to 150 volunteers and we go and we scatter all across all the campgrounds and we clean it all up we um we grab all the different items that we could use and then we put them in a pile and then we at the end the pile gets put even to another pile and then we organize it among ourselves and then we also this year you know something special that i thought was you know now that i'm more aware of what's happening around the state um, I knew that Copurable couldn't be like the only nonprofit that benefited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we had other halfway houses and nonprofits from throughout the whole state come out and get some supplies. Way and, great. Uh, and it's the difference between us doing it and then Firefly, Fire, if we weren't around, Firefly would hire a company and the company yes, would the go just... and they would either destroy it or if they right. could sell the metal stuff, they would sell right. the metal stuff. And then it would just be, you know, whatever, another profitable day for a, a company. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's great. You know, some of them recycle, but I found a local recycling company that was able to come and recycle some of the stuff that we weren't able to use. Right. We also partnered with um, some, some other nonprofits that Firefly did suggest that they could come and grab some things. Okay. And um, so it was fun. It's just, it's a great opportunity to get supplies. We've, we've already given out since then because we, um, we help all, you know, Delaware and then also mm -hmm. we some of the, our, our volunteers go to Kensington yeah. in Philly, where it's really bad. And, and we're already doing out 200 sleeping bags since then. Wow. Like, and I, and I never thought about that, but then you say, oh my gosh, they do have not only just Firefly, but all around the world, there's always some fair, some big events, you know, the, you know, the, in the summer, once we get back into, you know, post COVID, we'll still yeah. be doing all these events. And what you did, like I said, I was reading, I was scrolling through Facebook and I'm like, OMGZ, why aren't other people doing this? Yeah, God, just don't know. You know, God bless you because you are, like I said, from the giddy up, you are doing the darn thing. <laughs> I keep thinking about you. What is that cartoon? Um, 
that comes around Christmas time where the, the character's heart gets so big, it explodes. That's how I think of you. Your heart is so big. Your heart is so big that I don't think you can hold it all. And the <laughs> legacy is going to be, is amazing. I mean, just what you're doing and not, again, Code Purple, all the volunteers, 100 to 150 volunteers. That is, that's mind blowing. Yeah, yeah it's, that like, is, it's like, you know, because it's not like, you're going and you're, you know, you're hanging out and you're partying. You're going to help what you're out there doing is collecting yeah. leftovers for that's going to go to somebody that may not have diddly. So that, yeah. you know, when you lay head to pillow, I know you sleep like, like so good because God <laughs> has really rested you. I mean, because I know when you hit the pillow, you knock out, you don't get a whole lot of yeah. sleep because you're ripping and uh, running. But I know yeah. that when you do, you, when you sleep, you are very well rested and your mind and your body is, is blessed because that is just who you are. Now, before I let you go, please provide any contact information, website, email address, telephone numbers for anyone that's been inspired by you and want to help or, or support or donate. So tell us where, how we can reach you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you definitely stay in contact on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you know, we have all those with code at code purple Delaware. And then if you want to visit us online, we do have some events happening this Saturday in downtown Dover um, with the Community Against Gun Violence. That's this Saturday at 11 a.m. in downtown Dover on Fulton Street. And then we have um, also October 23rd, we have a charity auction at the American Legion in Dover. And that's from 1 to 4 p.m. And so come on out. And then October 31st on Halloween at 5 p.m. at our office, we will do a harvest festival. And so all that information um, you know, make sure you stay connected. And then if you want more contact, just visit us at CodePurpleDelaware.com and we can connect with you there. We have a new website coming out here within a couple of days, I think. So just bear, if you look at it today, it might be different in like three or four days. Okay, but we, we're making it so people can interactively talk on the site and also chat, right. time. Yeah, do some chatting. And then, um, so we're going to do that. And then if you have anyone in need, you know, at our office, we do have, um, rescue bags that you can come and pick up and you can grab the bags. It's like $60 for their supplies usually. And it can help a person live for two weeks on the street. And so at our office in Dover is 1207 East Division Street in Dover. And you can give us a call if you don't know how to get there at 1-800-733-6816. Okay. So that's 1-800-733-6816. Um, yes. They can also go to Code Purple Delaware or Code Purple DE. Code Purple Delaware, yeah, it's spelled okay, out. Code Purple Delaware, uh, dot com, and you're located at 1207 East Division Street in Dover, Delaware. Enio, you are yeah. amazing. Thank you, you so are, very Thank much. You. Thank you for being a guest here. I know, we, like I said, we're going back and forth, um, but before I let you go, are there any last words you'd like to leave us? I think um, I, what I push now more than ever is if you have young people in your life to encourage them to do all they can, as young as they can, to make the biggest impact they can. I think something I used, I, I started making phone calls at my dad's job when I was eight, and I used to have a water ice stand, I used to do some businesses, but I never took them like completely seriously. Um, and I realize now as I'm older, if I would have taken some of those opportunities seriously, I, like when I was eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, I would have actually probably been very successful in those avenues, um, and they would have helped me do more things. So I think, you know, pushing young people to, reach i know a lot of parents out there are pushing their kids to do great but i think sometimes you have people who might think that their kids need to relax or or you have kids who 
think that they're not important or they can't do anything. And I just want to push people to let's empower our young people to get working, you know, to, to start thinking about ideas, start thinking about their careers at a very early age, because no one is, you know, the world is not out, you know, there's nothing out there that's going to help you as you get older. You got to do it yourself. Um, there's, there's, there's assistance there. Obviously God's there, but at the end of the day, we're, we're here for a purpose. And if you can find that purpose out quicker than I did, Mm -hmm. um, that you'll be better off. And you only going to do that by doing it, you know, by getting your feet wet, by taking the steps you got to take to make your life happen. That's awesome. Like, yes, yeah, start them young, start them young. You know, when you, when you're a little tight and you're watching them, you see where they, they, they shine. So promote yeah. that, push that and don't be a dream killer. So thank you again, right. Enio, for all that you're doing, all that your family's doing, all that the volunteers and in, in the community are doing for, you know, our, our population in Delaware and all across the world. And I, I wish you a wonderful week and may God continue to bless you, your mission and your vision. Thank you for uh, giving me your time today. Oh, God bless you too. I, I loved it. And thank you so much for having me. God bless you. Much success. The best is yet to come, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of Out and About with Antoinette. Every week I have the privilege, obviously you see, interviewing a guest who's from in and around the state of Delaware doing some amazing things in their communities. And if you'd like to be a guest on Out and About with Antoinette, please send an email to info at ablakeenterprises.com. And don't forget, you can find and follow me on all my social media platforms, including my blog and vlog using the Linktree ID Dell Blogger. Thank you for listening. And please share this podcast link with your family, your friends, your bae and your boo too. And until the next time, stay smart, stay safe and stay social because I will see you in cyberspace. See ya. It's the DE Diva, a.k.a. the Delaware Blogger. Have a beautifully blessed day. Bye-bye. <laughs>